Alex Stump from Bucks Dugout joins us to talk everything Pirates, get you ready for the 2019 season, whether it's, you know, what's left of the outfield being Polanco and Marte to going Jameson Tyon, who could possibly win a Cy Young Award here in the next couple of years. Check out Bucks Dugout if you need any Pirates news and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. All right, everybody, welcome back. Tonight, we're going over the Pirates, and we have Alex from Bucks Dugout on to help us dissect this young and interesting roster. Alex, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, of course. So we'll dive right into it. Someone that definitely earned his money last year in a league that is driven by defensive catchers. You know, you have two guys that sometimes hit mostly good defensively, though. You have Francisco Cervelli and Elias Diaz, both of them on the contract next year. Cervelli, when he was healthy, was great. He had a couple of concussion problems throughout the year. I remember seeing that, and Diaz stepped up and did actually pretty well. That's going to be the set starting, obviously, I assume, would be those two. If it's those two, is there anything coming up in the system, or is this something that we have to kind of look at in the draft and say, okay, they eventually have to draft a catcher, even if he's a project guy? Yeah, I mean, as solid as Elias Diaz is, and he's under control for the next couple years, uh, there really isn't a whole lot behind him. There's Jacob Stallings, who's going to be a very interesting case. Uh, this spring, he's out of options and really doesn't have the ceiling of a major league starter, but he'd be a very good uh, major league backup because he spent a lot of time working with the Pirates' young pitching staff. They came up through the minors together. So he has a great reputation there, uh, calls a good game, a decent enough glove. He's a backup, so I don't think there's this giant rush for the Pirates that they need to draft a catcher this year, like stretch to get one. But there aren't a whole lot of catching prospects in general across baseball. No, so, they're really not. And that's, I mean, it's a problem throughout the game. So, yes, they need to really look at finding a good catcher to develop because there really isn't anyone else in the system besides these guys. And Cervelli is leaving at the end of the or His contract is up at the end of the year. I guess I shouldn't be ruling him out, kicking him out the door yet. But uh, there isn't a whole lot in the system but as for the quality there is right now yes this is a good catching duo that'll probably get a very similar type split where Cervelli gets like 450 ish plate appearances and Diaz 300 ish if in an ideal world if they both stay relatively healthy which is always a question mark for Cervelli but you have to take the good with the bad yeah uh, last year last year was a great offensive year for him as you mentioned, uh, he made a couple swing changes. He stands up more upright, added a leg kick, became a power hitter, which is something we never really saw. He was good. He was a guy who always had a good OBP, but now he has a good slugging, slugging percentage to go with it. Uh, Diaz kind of broke out last year, but then again, that was only over like 280 plate appearances. So you can't really put a ton of stock into that yet. It's a very encouraging sign, but you know, you can't extend him or, you know, give him the full blessing to be the future starting catcher. Like, if something goes wrong this year, the Pirates could be looking. Maybe they'll overpay to bring back Cervelli for another year or two. 
it's going to be interesting, but I think catching is the strongest part of this infield right now. Really? Yeah, that's actually interesting because the next guy that I want to talk about before I throw it over to Austin is Josh Bell at first base. This guy has the potential to be, you know, a 275 to 285 hitter with 20 to 30 home runs. Just kind of got to piece it together and get it all at once. Do you not think he's going to make it there or do you think he's going to be inconsistent kind of the rest of the way? Well, I, you brought up the 275 type hitter. It's like, okay, that's what he did last year, basically. He got on base at a good clip and his rookie year, uh, he hit 26 homers. So he's basically done those things over two years. Maybe if he puts it all together, he'd be a better uh he'd have a better offensive profile, but the defense and base running are so bad that, I mean, this is a guy who's been a roughly one war player, his two years in the majors each year. And there is so much potential with this young man, but there's so many problems that are wrong with his swing. He, he constantly fixes everything in between games. It feels like where he'll go up 500 times and he'll have 500 different swings. Yeah, he's always he's always it seems like he's guessing a lot. And uh, that's kind of been his thing since he came up. I mean, good news for him. He's young. He's on the control. And eventually the DH is probably going to be in the National League. And uh, when it's when it's league wide, that would help a guy like Josh Bell. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a very David Ortiz type. I mean, that's how bad the glove is, in all honesty. Maybe not quite David Ortiz, you know, (laughs) run, run for the love of God, run levels. But it's it's not good. It's not good. I mean, Rick Eckstein is the new hitting coach. Hopefully he can put everything together for Josh Bell because this is a big year for him. There's so much potential with him, but if he's not going to reach it, the parts have uh, Will Craig in the minor leagues who just drove in 100 runs in double-A. Uh, Brian Hayes is coming up as a third baseman, and you could potentially move Colin Moran to first base. It's his job for now. It's Josh Bell's job for now, but he's not the only option. Yeah, but I was kind of, you know, Zimborski releases his Zips projections for the entire year, and, you know, I was looking at it, and I was trying to figure out why his war has been so low his entire career. I'm glad that you brought up the base running because that seems to be something that people overlook a lot when it comes to stats like that. Do you think it's capable of being fixed? I mean... Would, would we say that the glove is the worst part or is the is the glove or is the base running worse than the glove is? I, I would say the glove is worse. I mean, the thing that's amazing about the base running, at least to me, is I, I'm a stat cast nerd. So I don't know how often your listeners uh, or your fellow guests. I know you brought up Dan. I listened to that episode. That was great. Uh, I don't know how nerdy. They get in here, but uh, we get nerdy at times. We, we're we're stats guys. We're, we're advanced analytics guys. We're we're the money ball where. Does he get on base? Don't care. Continue. That That's the type yeah. of people we are. And that includes like relief pitch. So just, that's it. Can he get on base? <laughs> Can uh, he get on base? That's it. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's going by sprint speed then on StatCast, it, it, he's above average for first baseman. So the base running is kind of frustrating. It's like, no, take the extra base. Trust yourself. Or no, don't go now. Don't go to third base with two outs, man. Don't try it. It, there's some frustrating parts with the base running, and that's been you know a Pirates trend over the last couple years. Haven't exactly done a good job running the bases. It, there really is no other fun way to say it than that. 
there's that. The glove is the big thing, though. I mean, we saw some improvements last year. It's not like he's dropping balls that are thrown right to him, but he has a hard time making pretty routine throws, it feels like. Like, if he has to try to turn a 3-6-3 double play, hold your breath every single time. Left fielder's on call, just in case. It's, it's bad, but it's not unfixable. There is still a chance that this could be the year that Josh Bell breaks out and you know becomes you know a borderline All Star type first baseman, but it seems just as likely, if not more, that you know this is kind of player that has come up a lot of potential, but really never puts it all together in the major leagues. And he's got to be a big part of this offense because if you look through this lineup, he is the potential big bat in an ideal world where the Pirates compete. They need him to, you know, have that 20-something home run season where he gets on base at a 380 clip. If he can't do that, it's kind of hard seeing this offense having a lot of pop. And it's funny because there's no first baseman in the league that are shaped like him. Josh Bell looks like if you found a college-sized tight end. Like maybe a little too undersized to be an NFL tight end, but a good college guy right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, we're going to go to second base. Uh, if I would were to, you know, do a blind player test, player compare, player comparison, and I said, hey, these players have the same amount of war as this guy this year, and I gave you Odor, Glaber Torres, George Springer. I mean, and I told you that Adam Frazier was in the same, like, area as them for war for the year. I think that people would call me crazy. I think he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, and... Simborski again thinks he's going to be a two-war player. Kind of, what does he bring to this franchise, and what are the expectations? Uh, a couple years ago, David Freeze, who was with the Pirates at the time, gave a pretty noticeable quote that's been circular circulating around here for a bit that uh, Frazier's going to win a batting average or batting crown one day. And that was the Adam really had an everyday job because Marte was busted with PEDs, and he was out in left field every day and he was doing good, and then he kind of slowed down, whether it was because he was just riding high on a high batted ball and play clip that he really didn't deserve, or he got tired, or whatever the reason was, he kind of slowed down, and that continued into 2018, and to the point that he was actually demoted to AAA uh, midseason. Then he made some swing changes, came up, and was hitting more fly balls, was hitting more home runs. It, it, he looked like a completely different hitter. And if that's the hitter the Pirates are getting in 2018, then or 2019, I'm losing track of years here, uh, then, yeah, yeah, I could totally see him. Maybe not Machado levels, but whenever you bring up Glaber Torres and those other comps, yeah, yeah, definitely. Probably better than his Dribble Cabrera, honestly. Because he's like a Swiss that, Army knife, that guy. He can really do everything. He plays multiple positions, infield, outfield. Yeah. He's, he's a very good player to have on your team. He's right getting into the prime of his age, good contract, and... Definitely going to be a 300-ish hitter for his career. Yeah, you would hope. You would hope. Yeah, it, I, yeah. The Swiss Army knife, I mean, the Pirates are pretty content. They're, they want him to play second base this year. In an ideal world, uh, he'd be starting at second base 140, 150 times this year, and maybe only once or twice in the outfield. Uh, look at how they use Josh Harrison, I guess. These last two years would be the best example, where every once in a while, yeah, he started at third base or he went out to the left field. But, you know, he was the team's second baseman. And maybe if someone goes down, they could put Frazier in the outfield and uh, bring up someone like Kevin Kramer, who's torn up the 
minor leagues the last couple of years. He really struggled in the majors in September, but that was just one month. Or Pablo Reyes type player, you know, get them reps at second base if necessary. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy, he's probably the second most confident. Second base is probably the second most confident position that the Pirates have at the moment in the infield. Uh, I think a impact three-ish war season isn't out of the question for him. It's just more, can he hold up as an everyday player? Because outside of those couple months in 2017, he's never really had that opportunity. There's so many middle infield prospects on this baseball team. So if I if I asked you, you know, I told you Cruz, Tucker, Newman, Kramer, kind of what are the what is the likelihood that one of these guys is going to be a star? Well, as a middle infielder, I think that would be Tucker out of them. Tucker is he's fast. He's fast. He's good at running the bases. He's got a great arm and a good glove. It's really can he hit major league pitching? And he's going to be going to AAA this year and this is a big year for him. He had he struggled throughout the first half of last year in double A, but then he really picked up in the second half, and then he went to the Arizona Fall League where he was the best player in the entire state the entire time. I mean, I think he had an OPS of like a 1,000 over that month. It was insane against the best prospects in baseball. So that's very encouraging to see. This is going to be a big year for him. I think that's a good, a good uh, barometer for him. Like, if he could ever hit major league pitching, well, let's see how he does in AAA this year. Uh, Newman's going to be splitting time with Eric Gonzalez, or they're competing for the major league starting job. I'm not real high on the kid, but the Pirates are. I think he's a Jordy Mercer at best type player. Uh, Newman, not Newman, uh, Kramer, the other Seinfeld brother. I'm mistake. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be a Pirate. He <laughs> has been a sleeper prospect in the system last couple years so maybe he could turn out to be something good Cruz though in general I think is going to be the best hitter out of the bunch and I know you really shouldn't count your chickens before they're hat before they hatch especially whenever they're just in single a still and he's probably gonna need to move away from shortstop to either third base first base or corner outfield but man there is so much power in that bat and it's only gonna those power numbers are gonna go up as he continues to fill out I mean, the Pirates got him in the Tony Watson trade in 2017, and he was this really skinny kid, and they said if you could fatten him up, he could probably hit 31 someday. I think Fangraphs has him at, like, 80 raw power as a future potential. I mean, it's it's insane how hard this kid can hit the ball, and he's got to continue to hit it hard. So I think he's the most exciting out of the bunch, but not as a middle infielder. Tucker as a middle infielder, Cruz in general. I'm a big fan of Cole Tucker. He's only 22 years old. A lot of people said it was a reach in the first round, and he's going to take a little bit to develop, blah, 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 blah. He's a good player. He's fast. He can hit. He's going to work on his strikeouts. Is he going to hit a ton of home runs? I don't know. Who cares? You don't need him to hit a ton of home runs. He's got great size. He's 6'3". He's athletic. He's going to be there. The question is, is he going to be there on opening day, or are you going to go with another type of guy like a Kramer or you're going to move somebody around. Does Frazier see some time there this year? What's going to go on there? And I believe Tucker's the guy of the future. It sounded like you do. Is that is that what you'd be comfortable saying? Yeah, I, I'm comfortable saying that Tucker is the shortstop of the future. But he's not going to make the team opening day. I The Pirates had to add him to the 40-man roster this offseason. But he hasn't taken a rep at AAA yet. 
I, I and think, that was for Rule Five purposes, right? That he was that was that he had to be called up. Yeah. And Which yeah. This is a bit of a stretch. He's going to take long to develop. That's good evidence of it. I mean, he had a couple injury problems along the way, which slowed him down. But I don't think he would have made the major leagues uh, before he needed to go on the forty man anyway. So yeah, I I think the absolute soonest we could see him would be later this season, and that would kind of be a dire straits situation of he's tearing it up in the Pirates or in the playoff chase, and they need help at shortstop. I think it's more likely that we'll see him around June-ish of 2020. Yeah, so so another full year in the minors, working the craft, working on the little things, I, I, and then come up. Just knowing how the Pirates work and how they manipulate service time. Like Small market else, team, but, man. You got you to gotta do well, it somehow. At least well, you're not Toronto. Yeah, well, that's true. Could always he's be worse. Goodness, that defense is so bad. I think he's going to need 10 days in the minor leagues to fix it. <laughs> that's it, just 10 days. So who is the opening day starting shortstop? I would say it's either Kevin Newman or Eric Gonzalez, who came over from Cleveland uh, this offseason in a trade. Gonzalez, uh, Pirates manager Clint Hurdle, he was talking at the Pirates Fest uh, about a month or so ago how scouts were apparently banging on the table that they wanted Eric Gonzalez because, as we all know, if the scouts had their way of any shortstop available this offseason, it was Eric Gonzalez or bust. Yeah, there, absolutely. There's no other there good shortstop no that other were on the market. On the market. No, no, not none. Yeah. No, it's not. It's so, not like we're recording this on February 19th, when Manny Machado signed a 10-year, 300 million dollar contract today. That did not happen. No, no, it did not happen. It's a shame. He would have been good in black and gold. <laughs> Damn shame. Damn shame. He honestly would have been such a good piece because the Pirates, with with their where they are right now, I feel is where San Diego is going to be in like a year or two where they have all these young players in the majors, they're waiting on tattoos to come up and a couple other guys to get healthy and for Will Myers to actually like play a full season. Well, they're not waiting so, on Tatis. Tatis is waiting on them. That's true. Tatis is waiting on them. Yeah, that's very true. He's ready to go. But Ten days. Ten days and then the glove will be good to go. It's, that's what, you know what it is? It's really just getting the nerves out those 10 days. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything other than making the player comfortable. And I think that's, that's the mindset the Pirates have to go into. You know it's amazing I mean? that there's a one-year swing in 10 days. Let's go to third base. Speaking of trades, let's talk about Colin Moran. This is a guy that came over from Houston with Joe Musgrove a couple more, I think, uh, in the Garrett Cole trade. Is He's like under the radar... I don't even know how I want to phrase it. He's perfectly serviceable. I, I've watched yeah. this guy play for a year, and I still have no idea how to yeah, He's like, he's, he's, I mean, the potential's there, right? He, he, he's a 270, round. though. 270, almost 280. He didn't strike out a ton either. I mean, he played 145 games. He only struck out 82 times. He was the patron saint of one for four with a single, though. Okay, yeah, yes. there we go. Yes. He is that. Yes. He's he's putting the ball in play. But if you put the ball in play enough times, good things will happen. I mean, former first oh, round. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's got the potential. The contract's great. I mean, you got him under control for what? Four more years after this? So you got him under control until he's 30. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, but uh, he's got a lot of competition. I brought up Cabrian Hayes earlier. Yeah, I mean, and that could help. That's the that's, guy. Yeah. That's the and that's guy a ways. farm system right now. Yeah, and that, it can help a couple ways there because that can push you to be better. Mm-hmm. But if he's good but not great, that's a great trade piece. I mean, you're traded for, I mean, we'll get to pitching, but Chris Archer's on this team. And spoiler alert, it wasn't in free agency. So 
you're willing to make trades, and if you have a solid piece that can help out, you never know what he'd develop on another team, too. Thoughts in retrospect on the Garrett Cole trade? I don't hate it. I mean, Cole was pretty much maxed out in Pittsburgh. I think what he did in 2016 and 2017 and closer to what 2018 Garrett Cole would have done in Pittsburgh rather than uh, what he did in Houston. I agree with that, actually. I think that yeah, he never got as good as he Change the scenery. Yeah. 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 And the Pirates have Musgrove now, and the way Musgrove pitches, he pounds the fastball in the zone. He gets quick at bats, a lot of first pitch strikes. He pitches like the guy the Pirates wanted uh, Garrett Cole to be. And, and that Garrett Cole wasn't exactly great in Pittsburgh outside of 2015. So maybe, you know, Musgrove will never reach his potential in Pittsburgh either, but I think he's a good arm. Uh, Moran is such an interesting guy, though, because he this was a guy who was a top prospect in a very crowded Houston system. I mean, two or three years ago, he was the third baseman of the future in Houston until Alex Bregman just kind of stole the job away from him. Which, can you really blame anyone for, for losing a job to Alex Bregman? No, it's one of the best players in the league already. No, it's, that's, that's, just yeah. tough, uh, that's just tough sledding there. Yeah, so if he can get the ball in the air more, hit a couple more home runs, then yeah, he can be a capable major league third baseman. And he's got an interesting, I, I guess you could call it a platoon, partner in Gung. Sala Marte, man. If he stays off the roids, is he good? That's, that's oh. the first question, and I think he is. You have, this is the oldest part of your team, is the outfield. And it's, you know, you got Chisenhall in there now, Polanco, Dickerson, Marte. I'm assuming it's Marte, Dickerson, Polanco, you hope that Corey Dickerson continues to do what he did last year. You hope Marte stays off PEDs and continues to be a solid player. And you hope Polanco gets back on the horse because that contract only gets bigger as it goes along. Am I missing anything there for the outfield? No. I mean, I think the big thing for Polanco and Chisholm is uh, Polanco had a base running mishap at in September last year. So he's not going to be the opening day right fielder. That's going to be Chisholm, assuming Chisholm is healthy also. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a big thing. So for about the first month or so, it's going to be Chisholm out and running, and then Polanco will come back. It, it, it's definitely the strength of this offense. I mean, Corey Dickerson had a bit of a down year offensively. I mean, he more than made up for it by becoming a gold glove left fielder, which nobody saw coming. But if he can get a little more of that extra base power that he had whenever he was with Colorado and with Tampa Bay, so it wasn't just Coors Field, then, yeah, the Pirates have a big left-handed bat in the lineup besides just relying on Josh Bell. Uh, Marte was presumably clean last year after that 2017 uh, PED bust, and he was good. I mean, they made him change position to center field. He grades out much better as a left fielder, so if you just look at war totals, that's part of the reason why it dropped so much. He's a average to good center fielder rather than a gold glove left fielder. So that definitely hurt. Still good. Uh, slap hitter in general has a little bit of pop in the bat. I, last year, he became the third pirate ever to hit 20 homers and steal 30 bases in a season. I mean, the only yeah, only other two were Vance Lake and Bonds. So that's pretty good company to be in. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's very prestigious company for a solid franchise. And I mean, they got the potential there, just kind of keeping them healthy and then keeping them together. They're a little older, like we said, and they actually deal with some injury problems there. But it's going to be a good outfield. And I think if they can recreate a couple of years ago when McCutcheon was there and Polanco really came on the scene, he was, I think, like 25, maybe even 24. 
that's going to be really good for you guys. And it's going to lead into kind of keeping the young guys kind of in check as well, which is nice because even though they're not young, like 22, 23, I mean, Adam Frazier, Josh Bell, and Diaz are only 26, 27, 28, respectively. So they're not, they're just getting into their primes. They haven't been up in the major leagues forever. So I think it'll be good to kind of look up to a Chisholm Hall and Dickerson and having Marte learn from his mistakes and kind of like keep this roster together. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way, Gregory Prolanco, only 27 right now. Yes, he's only 27 right now, the youngest in the outfield, considering Marte Dickerson and Chisholm Hall are all 30. And the other thing about Polanco is he kind of struggled the first two months of the season, made some swing changes, backed off the plate. And really just tore it up. I mean, 900 OPS from June on with a 141 WRC plus. I mean, that is solid. That is a middle of the lineup right there. Yeah. And the defense improved and the base running improved, except for the time whenever he tried to slide in the second base and look like he was assassinated. It, it looked like the Raptors. Like yes. Yeah. He looked like an all-star type player for four months of the season. Last year, and if that type of Polanco comes back for five more, outfield is going to look a whole lot better. So, one of my favorite pitching staffs in all of baseball is the Pittsburgh Pirates because it might be a hot take, but if these guys develop the way that they should, they will be better than Houston and Boston staff, bar none. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the talent and you look at some of the names and you just look at what they've done already and what they can do, you have Chris Archer. Coming over from Tampa, who, yeah, I mean, he can be really good. He can also be really bad, but he can be really good, and he's got a great contract. It's bad against good and teams. And then you have, yes, bad against good teams. Well, we, you can work on that. Then you have Jameson Talon. Where he was close. Who is, yeah, I was close there with the name. He's nasty. He's going to be a legitimate ace in the league. You have Trevor Williams, who I think is a top five pitcher in that division, not even on the team. I think he's. I think he's ridiculous. I think he's only going to get better. Another 27-year-old, as Jamison's also 27. Then you have Musgrove, who came over in the Garrett Cole trade, who is filthy, 26 years old, who is projected to kind of be the next Garrett Cole. You have Nick Kingman, who is a very nice piece. Chad Cool, who is a really good piece, but coming off Tommy John's, you got to give him a year or two. So the way I look at that is if you have so many there and you have guys in the in the system as well, you have um, Mitch Keller, who is probably the biggest name there. So you have all those guys. All you need is two or three of those guys to hit. So the way I look at the roster and the way I look at it since the trade came over and everything like that, I think your ace is going to be Chris Archer as your one. Jameson's going to be your two. Trevor, uh, Trevor uh, I'm sorry, Musgrove's going to be your three. Trevor Williams is going to be your four. And then Kingman and you know a bunch of those other guys are going to fill into the five slot. But if you just look at those names and you just look at what they've done in the past, what they're projected to do, you're looking at an all-star pitching staff, one through five. I disagree with you a little bit. Uh, I think Chris Archer is not the ace of this team. I think it, I think that it's actually already Jamison Tyon. We we can obviously discuss that, but the way I have it going down is almost exactly like yours. It's except we flipped the one two. It's Tyon Archer, and I'm okay with flipping those guys. William, uh, Williams Musgrove, and then I'm not really sure on the last one. So. Alex, kind of fill us in and tell me kind of tell us kind of which one's close to being right. Like if I had to say anybody, maybe Lyles is the five. Maybe. Yeah, I think coming in, Lyles was signed uh, this offseason with the understanding that he would be competing for the number five starting job. 
and he was going to compete for it. He was going to compete with uh, Kingham and kind of Stephen Brault as an outsider, which I think with the signing of Liriano uh, a couple weeks ago by the Pirates as a reliever, kind of pretty much leaves Brault as a, he has to be a starting pitcher or bust to make this team, maybe as a long guy out of the bullpen, but I think that's much more likely for him. Uh, yeah, it's it's J-Mo at the top of the rotation. I think that's pretty... You have to watch him to understand why, though. Because he just controls hitters. Yeah, I mean, he added a slider in the middle of the year last year. He struggled for about a month or so, and part of the way he busted out was he added this pitch. And it wasn't even that great a slider, because, I mean, if you're trying to add a pitch you haven't thrown since high school in the middle of the season, you don't exactly have a lot of time to experiment. But after he started adding it, it just threw batters off. 271 ERA from whenever he started throwing in in late May through the end of the season. If there are any people who play fantasy baseball, I mean, Definitely. 271 ERA, 8.4 strikeouts per nine from that day on. That is a sleeper pick if I have ever heard one. I think he is the leader of this rotation. Definitely the highest arm. I wouldn't be surprised if this is his breakout season. I mean, he had four months of a breakout season last year. Chris obviously has been a little bit up and down the last couple of years. Pirates are really trying to make him throw his two-seamer and sinker more. Thank you. To try to help him out. Try to help him out. That was something that he did a lot in uh, the early years of his career. Then he stopped throwing, in tw- stopped throwing it in 2015. And that kind of worked. That really worked in 2015. I don't want to say kind of. But it kind of was was his undoing the next couple of years. That he really didn't have anything that had vertical downward movement. Because a slider is a horizontal pitch. So if they could add that perspective into his pitches, yeah, that could work. I mean, the parts have done that with other pitchers in the past. Uh, A.J. Burnett is a great example of this. Uh, Liriano was better in Pittsburgh whenever he started throwing his two-seamer. J.A. Happ. But then again, that was a couple of years ago, those examples. Game changes a lot. It changes overnight nowadays as far as anyone else is concerned. So it's kind of a throwback strategy. It didn't. I don't want to say it didn't work at Pittsburgh because he was dealing with a sports hernia. So I think you kind of have to take those last couple months uh, with a with a grain of salt. He had some stuff going on, but I think he could return. Maybe not to 2015 levels, but being a really solid top of the rotation guy. I, I talked about Musgrove already. I think he's the four. Trevor Williams is probably the least sexy pitcher in baseball if you look at his stat line because don't tell Dave he doesn't that. have a great. Hey, I like guys that get out. I don't care how they get them. No, I like Dave. I like Dave (laughs) that he likes Trevor because I like Trevor too. Because Trevor throws strikes. He has a good fastball, maybe not velocity-wise. It's only going to sit in the low 90s, but he knows where to put it. He can hit the glove, and he gives up a lot of fly balls, but they're not hit well. So, yeah, he looks good. FIP, XFIP, XWOBA, they kind of hate him, but he's the perfect pitcher for Pittsburgh. And then the fifth starter job, it's Lyles, who did a really good job down the stretch in Milwaukee. Uh, Kingham, who started strong but really faded, had actually pretty decent numbers. If he, if you take away the first inning last year, I've been really advocating in Pittsburgh for him to get an opener. I've written a couple things about that. Uh, Brault, Dark Horse, maybe. And then Keller, I think, is the first guy up in the minor leagues at some point. I know I've made a couple 10 days from now jokes but you know he's not quite ready yet he needs actually a little bit more time in the minor leagues to 
finish seasoning up. And whenever he's ready, he could be a really nice addition late in the season. This is a very strong rotation. Whenever you look at the NL Central, you look at the Cubs who have this great offense and the Cardinals had Carpenter and they added Goldschmidt and the Reds bring in Puig and the Brewers have Sean Moustakis and Aguilar and all these great hit and Kane and the MVP and Yelich and the Pirates are kind of the oddball and they're just going to be like, all right, we're going to take on your strength. We're going to have this great starting rotation and this great bullpen. And if you can hit us, well, we're not going to win a lot of seven, six games. We're going to beat you three to two. So, you know, we just went over the rotation. I want to talk about probably an eight, nine in the bullpen that I would put up against anybody in baseball. Like, I mean, you know, Yankee fans are going to shout at me. Oh, what about Batanzas Chapman? Hate to break it to you again. Chapman sucks against good teams. You know who doesn't? Felipe Vasquez. Also, Keona Keller being the eight guy coming from Texas. I mean, who is the seven guy? And just kind of elaborate yeah. on the success that Keller and Vasquez have had. I think the seven guy is going to be Kyle Crick, who came over in the Andrew McCutcheon trade last year, had very strong numbers, uh, had the best spin rate on a slider in baseball, actually, Damn. actually last year. And it, it, it was unhittable. It's an unhittable pitch whenever he's throwing it right. And having him as your seventh inning guy, oh my goodness, what a luxury that is. And then there's Richard Rodriguez also, who's, I know, seven, eight, nine, but I'm going to put him in the sixth guy right here because he is basically of that quality. He was last year. He set Pirates strikeout records for relief pitchers. He was fantastic last year. And I guess you always have to be a little wary with relief pitchers of, okay, he was a one-hit wonder. But if he's not, this is a fascinating bullpen. And then, of course, you got Vasquez and Kella. I mean, the only back two that I think are better are the Yankees. Yankees are definitely better, and arguably the Brewers. And that's on the condition that, you know, they, they use Hater as, you know, a setup man instead of just as a regular fireman. I mean, Kella is fantastic, and Vasquez's stuff just isn't fair. It just, I can't believe that Washington gave him up for two months of Mark Melanson. Actually, that's not true, because they also gave up Taylor Hearn, who went over to the Rangers for Keona Kella. Yeah, and by the way, they also gave up Blake Trinan to um, to the A's, so... Yeah. The Nationals are n- not, like, unfamiliar with just giving away relievers. Small market teams are usually better at uh, making the trades because that's how they live by. That's the good ones, anyway. Yeah, the good ones, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, that eighth and ninth inning was brought to you courtesy of two months of Mark Melanson. So, yeah, it's, it's as deadly a one-two punch as you're going to find in baseball. I mean, the Pirates are going to be playing a lot of six- and seven-inning games this year, and with that rotation— you got to feel good about that. I mean, there's a lot of frustration, especially in Pittsburgh, that this was a team that made so many big moves at the offseason, at the trade deadline, and then were pretty much quiet during the offseason. You can say, well, why would you buy the car if you're not going to pay for gas? That's frustrating. But this is a team, besides shortstop, is fairly complete. This is probably the deepest pirate team in the Neil Huntington era outside of 2015. They don't have that high-level superstar like Andrew McCutcheon to bail out other positions, but everyone else either has a solid major leaguer or a former high-ranked prospect besides shortstop. I mean, 
all five guys in the rotation, pretty much the entire bullpen, seven guys in the lineup. It's it's a complete team. I mean, this, this team is not a sexy team. They are not going to grab you or Dakota or whatever projection tool that you want to use. But this is not a team that's just going to roll over and die in a very competitive NL Central. In a lot of ways, I think they might be better off than a team like the Cubs who have an ancient rotation or the Reds who are just kind of built for one year, it looks like, and then who knows what's going to happen in 2020. It, this is a team that's going to be competitive in 2019 and assuming they don't blow it up 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I mean, I hope they don't blow it up because it'd be nice to actually pay some of these young stars. Blow it up. I don't expect them to blow it up, but you always have to put that precursor whenever you're with a small market team with three or four oh, other competitive teams in the division. Yep, absolutely. All right, Alex, tell the people where they can find you on social media and kind of where you're coming from. Well, they can find me on Twitter at Alex, the letter J, Stumpf, S-T-U-M-P-F. And I got a lot of things to plug, so uh, I guess at a time watch. You could read uh, my weekly stuff at Bucks Dugout, the SB Nation site, and at the Point of Pittsburgh. Uh, great uh, analytics type site in Pittsburgh, online magazine. would strongly recommend it. Uh, I have my own podcast uh, with my podcast partner, uh, Noah Hiles. It's called the River Blast Podcast. You can find it on Anchor. Uh, and the Twitter for that is at River Blast Radio. And I also wrote a book with a couple other really talented people in Pittsburgh. It's called Pirate's Guide 2019. It's on sale this week for 10 bucks. if you want a fantasy edge, if you want to keep up to date with more pirate stuff. There's some things in here that are just about baseball in general. Uh, very, very good, very different type analysis that you won't get anywhere. And come on, I gotta, I gotta make money, or I'm gonna have to eat my shoes. So help a guy out.